welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. In a world where action movies are constantly exploding at the box office, our heroes take on the monumental task of dissecting and analyzing all aspects of action movies to truly understand what it takes to make a great action film. Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, in a Popcorn Talk Network exclusive, this is Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Welcome to the show! Welcome to the show! It's like the game Golden Knight in the 90s! Just like the game! It's so exciting! <laughs> a headshot with a silencer. I'm gonna come around this corner. Oh, I missed the shot. Now I'm gonna. Okay. Now you're with dead. your finger yeah. gun? Yeah. yeah you're very <laughs> intimidating. Pew, pew. There's one thing I wish right now, and that is that my hair was just like flowing as Pierce Brosnan's. Uh, so I, <laughs> I wanted to have his huge, like. He has the white guy fro. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. The best part is that when we were talking about doing this movie, and I was like thinking about what Pierce Brosnan looked like, in my head, his hair was like this big. But when I looked, it's actually just like. Pretty small. Basically the same yeah. as what you thought it was. He's yeah. a good-looking dude. He's very, very pretty human. He's very... Look, it's my duty to talk about handsome men on the show. We'll do it later when we talk with Daniel Craig with his shirt off, so let's just let's just wait on that, okay, Kathy? His iconic Speedo scene. His iconic <laughs> Speedo scene. That or Halle Berry in Die Another Day. I'm not sure which one. Okay, never mind. That was a joke. Let's, uh... What <laughs> the show? Was a joke? <laughs> this is Action Movie Anatomy on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies and all things movie-related. I am your host, James Bond. Joined to... Who is that? <laughs> it's, it's I don't a, even know what accent that was. Yeah, I don't know. I, like, drop the tone of my voice whenever I do it. Your host, James Bond. Yeah. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Guy. <laughs> straight out of Squeeze London. <laughs> Can I have some more poets, sir? Uh, this is Andrew Guy. He's got a tie yeah. clip today, and he looks like I'm freaking doing, James this Bond. This is my Bond. This is my Quantum of Solace Bond. Yeah, right. They, they were like Casino Royale. They did the black and white, and then they were like, "We're gonna now we got to make him more advanced. He's got to be more fashion forward. He can't be just tuxedo anymore." No, I like your tie clip a lot. Thank you. Very envious. It came with the package. I don't know what that means. All right. But do you have a, a watch to uh, show off? Yeah. Do you really? No, I, uh, I didn't bring a watch today. I didn't bring my Omega today. Uh, okay, also we have uh, we have Kathy Kelly. She's over here on the Woo! left side. Hi. She's back. <laughs> She's back. She's returned. Uh, she was here on the Taken episode ages ago, it feels like. Now, yeah. right? It's been a while. Yeah, what like a fun episode ago, that was. I think. And uh, yeah, I don't think yeah, it was quite that on, long. We've been oh. on for about six years My now. gauge of time is not always the best. Right. So. Your laugh on that episode was infectious. It was. Uh, Thanks. Very infectious laugh. Yeah, there's a point in that episode, if you guys remember watching this, where it's right at the beginning and Andrew makes a joke it's and you so burst out laughing. It's like the best response that anything we've ever done on the show has had. <laughs> so when we were thinking about cutting together like the sizzle reel for this show, which we're probably going to do, we're, we're that will probably Just replay my laugh That's over it. and over and over again. It's going to be like, how is what he said not the funniest thing ever? Because you're laughing so hard. Uh, so yeah, this is we're doing Casino Royale, guys. Uh, full disclosure, we went and saw Spectre. We were planning on doing Spectre. Oh, yeah. We changed our mind. Uh, it was was it was an okay movie where our expectations were lofty and this is an awesome movie so we just figured we would do this movie instead yeah uh <laughs> yeah man what the, what the hell like i was i was very excited to see specter i yeah. thought it was gonna be really sweet I, the advertising looked good and it didn't mm-hmm. look like they were gonna do what they did with the brosnan series right which is what happened 
in this series as the movies are regressing as they come out. I feel like that's one of those things, though, with Bond films, is if you have really high expectations, it's always going to be a letdown. And when you go into it and you don't necessarily think that it's going to be good, especially when they have the new Bonds, like with Daniel Craig's first one, you end up being pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, and then maybe that's what this show will do for you guys as our audience is that we're like, ah, we didn't really, really like Spectre, and your expectations will get even lower, and then you'll go see it and you'll love it. And you'll think it's really cool. Well, I hope not, that's what happens. Let's not start theorizing too much because we do have some things we want to share on that, but before we get into it, I should remind everybody they will actually be doing Spectre on Anatomy of a yes. Movie, which is like our sister podcast, other show they do. Uh, it's very closely related to what we do, and they do it on Fridays every single week, so they will be covering that on Anatomy of a Movie. Also, please give us ratings and reviews on iTunes. And on YouTube because it helps us do the show. And Five stars. Continue to provide content, and we love doing it, but it is very helpful if we can get some feedback from you guys, and it keeps us high in the ratings so that the show keeps happening. Um, we just like reading it. Yeah, also that. <laughs> we enjoy interacting with you guys, and uh, makes their egos just grow. It does. Yeah, really? That's why we do it? <laughs> we do it straight to the head. Our heads are getting large. So that your hair can be as great as Peter's Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, Kathy Kelly. Uh, so this is, yeah, the Casino Royale episode. I think we should probably just show the trailer first we should. to the film. Uh, and then we can react to it. And we can chat over it. Oh, man, look at him. He's in black and white. He's so black and white. He's just the chief of low status. You guys really don't like that accent. Yes, uh, he's a chief double O. <laughs> <laughs> coming right in. Yes. Yes, I was hoping you'd join me for supper. <laughs> yes, I was hoping you'd join me for supper. Okay, Andrew. Just trying to show you how it's done, mate. I love Judy Dench in this movie. I love that she was so good in the broadcast. Dame Judy Dench. They were like, we're just going to bring her back. It doesn't matter if the timeline doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh man, look at all these people talking. I know. This is exciting. Oh, you should read the comment about the tie. <laughs> Guy wins the look. Poor Ben and his big bow tie. Okay, guys. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they also referred to you guys as Jonas Brothers. I saw that. That's good. Thanks, guys, for dressing up for a Bond movie. I would like to be Nick Jonas, I think, if I have to be a Jonas, Jonas Brothers. Brothers. You're not Nick Jonas? Get out of here. Dude, I look just like him. We have the same body type, same haircut. <laughs> You'd be the Jonas Brother that didn't make the band. I'd be the Jonas, the adopted <laughs> Jonas Brother. You're the, one, you're the one that got married, and there'd be people like, oh, he's not single anymore. Get I'm him like out of here. Smith's <laughs> oldest son that's like 20-something, and no one knows about him because all they he care about him. He has an older son. He has an older son, really? Exactly. <laughs> Beyonce's sister. I'm Solange. Okay. Out of You're four, the Osborne that Bean. didn't make the Osborne show. I hate this. Gotta see the ranking graphic. <laughs> this is a great movie, by the way. <laughs> yeah, because we've not been talking about today. Whatever. Oh, that's oh, so that good. Oh, that scene makes me cry. It's a really good scene. Underwater tears. Top 25, yeah. top 10, probably. Oh my gosh. Treadstone. Jeez, I love this conversation. I know. That was. T- <laughs> uh, you guys are the best. You're so. I'm so distracted. I'm putting a smile on my face. I'm so distracted putting a smile on my face. <laughs> do you know my accent that I actually do really is, though? It's that one line from the live version of Sultans of Swing by the Dire Straits oh where Mark Knopfler goes, Okay, let's have a go at single to song about a jazz band partly. This song is called The Sultans of Swing. And every time I do a British accent, it's just Mark Knopfler from the accent. Dire Straits. Yeah, that's what it is. Damn right, bow ties are cool. Yeah, that hasn't come through yet on Is mine. that a clip-on? <laughs> I think you just wrote that. No. No. Okay. <laughs> it's a clip-on. It's a clip-on. <laughs> are, are you sure? Are you sure? Uh, uh, here's a scene from the... This is our ultimate action scene. We're playing it at the beginning, though, because we think it fits better with the show. 
We were thinking because we want to harken back to it many times in the show. <laughs> Do you mind if I join you? <laughs> you nailed his accent. Yeah. Do you mind if I join you? $10,000 minimum bet. King for you, sir. The three for you. This is so good. That's so funny. My mom didn't let me watch 17? Austin Powers when I was little. Oh, really? She said it was too raunchy. It, it is... That's all I wanted to get at Blockbuster. Someone called me Ashley Simpson. Just want to like <laughs> just point that out. You have seventeen, sir. The pieces of you. I like to live dangerously. I like to live dangerously. You have seventeen, Four. sir. Twenty-one. <laughs> Five. <laughs> Five. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say. This is snortworthy. This is snortworthy, sir. I also like to live dangerously. As you wish, sir. Do you think that Austin Powers is in the, the ten greatest comedy characters of all time? Twenty beats your five. Beats your five. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Uh, yeah, so memorable. No, like, he's got it. I mean, dude, he... Yeah, no. He, he's, movies made an obscene he's one of the amount of money. Of all time. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, no. no. Yeah, no. <laughs> I definitely think he is. Um, okay, that is the trailer and a scene from the film Austin Powers, uh, which is a great scene. Let's get into the show, guys. So, what we do here on the show is we start out with something called thesis statement. This is going to be our chance to make a bold statement about the film that should not be loose. This should be rooted in hyperbole. The best, the greatest, the first, one of the three times ever, something like that. Should not be like my favorite Bond because of his ties or something like that. I mean, I would never. Oh, shoot, I have to rewrite. Oh, no. (laughs) You can get real deep with it. (laughs) However you want to do it. We like it when you guys share with us. Uh, We do have a Twitter now. You can tweet at us personally or the Twitter. It's uh, at AMA Podcast. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. At Andrew Guy. At Catherine Kelly. So if you want to just get at us, it's very excited about her on Twitter. You can just let us know. Uh, but let's let's get into our thesis statements. I'm going to select yeah. our special guest, Miss Catherine Kelly, to go first Whoa. this week. Okay, uh, my thesis statement is the least anticipated yet best executed Bond film. Interesting, because of the disappointment of Die Another Day, that people were just right. like James Bond's done. And but, then yeah. this movie blew everyone's Well, I think minds. it was also the fact that prior to Daniel Craig joining the franchise, everyone was just crapping on him so much for how he looked and that he wasn't going to be a good right. like lead blonde, in a Bond film and that he was... I mean, people were saying that he was ugly. Like, his ears. That he, there was a lot yeah. of criticism. His, his ears are too big. He has and those large canals. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that just like... This film especially put all of that to rest. Like, everyone just ate their words with, um, you know, what they were saying about him prior to him joining the Bond franchise. And um, I don't know. We see a lot of differences in this movie than we've seen in the Bond franchises before just because there is less sex while it is still a sexy movie. Right. There's a lot less of that. He's more vulnerable in certain scenes, which we can talk about later. And then um, there's still a lot of like badass scenes, like the chase scenes and the yeah. fighting. Oh, and yeah. Oh, my God. It's a great movie. movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. Like this, it's, a lot of lists have this as the greatest Bond film ever. This yeah. is, this is mean, like... IGN, I think, did one. This is really high. It's it's like people because it's sort of recent are like a little unwilling to budge on it. But when it first came out, I mean, it was like top film of the I year mean, for, for a lot of people. Yeah. For me, it's like this one and Goldfinger are my favorites. Are I the think. two yeah. Goldfinger is classic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, him and Brosnan are the two most generational, generationally specific bonds yeah. that have been out there. And we had this conversation the other night, like me and a bunch of other people, because we were talking about Spectre. 
It's like in the '90s, Brosnan's exactly what you wanted out of Bond. He was smooth and funny, and like he you had know, the hair. Yeah, the hair, <laughs> an excellent <laughs> turban of hair. Uh, and then a Craig mane. is like exactly what we want now. It's, it's more real. It's more intense. It's more gritty. It's more raw. I don't know why, but Daniel Craig to me is now a better Bond than Pierce Brosnan was. Just I because agree. for me, when I think of Pierce Brosnan, I think of Thomas Crown Affair. I think of yeah. him as the maybe dad in Mamma Mia. Like, I don't <laughs> right. see Bond, even though he is, Matador. like, if you picture Bond, that is who you picture. But Daniel Craig just, he brings that extra element to it where he is Bond. Like, prior yeah. to him being in the franchise, I had really only seen him in Layer Cake. Right. And he did a great job at that. So, like, he is that character. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Daniel Craig's James Bond. What do you got for your thesis, Andrew? Uh, I went ahead and said that this movie is the epitome of less is more in filmmaking. Yeah, so they just stripped away all the crap. Everything. All the crap that was what made Bond Bond. And replaced they it with a Sony Ericsson phone. Yeah, Sony Ericsson phone. <laughs> I mean, even the, the line of shake and not stir, it's, do yeah. you want it shaken or stirred? He's like, do I look like I care? Yeah. yeah. It's great. And yeah. that's exactly what that line is the definition of this whole movie in, in the franchise. Is they, they go against all the rules, they change everything up, there's no money penny, there's no cue. Right. And it's still for me, God, I don't know, top three Bond movies. Top three Bond movies? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, after watching it again this time, because I hadn't seen this movie since it was in theaters, and I think after watching it again, I can't think of a Bond movie I've enjoyed more. Like, yeah. I have a real soft spot for the Timothy Dalton movies. There's a part of me that loves the campiness of Goldeneye because it was like the game. We grew up with it. Totally. But for the most part, I mean, there's a couple good moments in the Connery movies. They've aged, though. I think just on a like a scene-to-scene basis, how memorable it is, this is probably my favorite James Bond movie. Now, do you think that's because of who we are as an audience now? Though, well, I, and that's gonna actually speak to my thesis. So, okay. so I'll jump with mine now as well. Which is that so three times in my lifetime. I mean, I was born in 1988, and the first Dalton movie was made in '87. So mm-hmm. three times in my lifetime has James Bond, I mean, loosely in my lifetime, been rebooted. And each time they've gone with a slightly more gritty, a little bit darker, a little bit more bare bones James Bond. So right. the first one I think was The Living Daylights. The second one was Goldeneye with Pierce Brosnan, mm-hmm. and then you had this movie. And every one of those times, it's the best film that actor made as James Bond, and each film regressed. Yeah. So License to Kill was not quite as good as Living Daylights. And you had Tomorrow Never Dies was worse, World's Not Enough was worse, and Die Another Day was absolutely awful. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Quantum of Solace is totally unmemorable. Yeah. They had Sam Mendes direct the last two, and he's the guy that directed American Beauty. What do you have the American Beauty director and Revolutionary Road no. directing James Bond movies? That's exactly how I thought when I when his name popped up on the screen with Spectre. I was like, wait, really? He's doing this one as well? Like, really? This is going to happen right now? Didn't they learn their lesson? That's what I, that's what I was nope. hoping. Yeah, right. So I think it's each time, it's sort of what you're saying with less is more, each time they strip it down, they give you the best version they can think of, yeah. and that's the best time that actor ever played James Bond. And it's happened in this this franchise, this series, this Bond as well. Yeah, 100%. With this one to Quantum of Solace and Skyfall, which was like, it was good, but it wasn't like, it, was, it wasn't that super memorable, but I think it, it was more memorable because Javier Bardem was good, a and good he's villain. good in everything. He's a great villain. Um, and the things that happened with M and all that, but... Spectre just felt cheap. It felt like the Die Another Day. Yeah, exactly. Of the series. It felt th- like, yeah, forgettable, like a throwaway movie. Like you're using every Bond cliche you can think of. There was all- not one moment through any of the intensity in it where I was like, oh my god, there's actually something at stake here. Something bad could actually happen. It was yeah. just like, okay, this is going to happen to this point, and then they're going to get away. Or, Which is like know. Casino to a T. I found the whole time I was like, 
yeah. all those scenes you're talking about, the, like the, him being vulnerable, the action, like the stakes are real. Yeah, him falling in love, him dying. The stakes are real. Oh um, yeah, he died for a couple <laughs> seconds. Yeah. yeah, I love that. It's I awesome. love that he dies. I also like Vesper Lynn way more this time through. I didn't think she was that hot the first time, and then watching her this time, I was like, man, that girl's beautiful. Quite, I think it's also how smart she is. Like yeah. she yeah. is a boss, and that's something that we haven't really seen with a lot of the former Bond girls. They aren't able to match James Bond's intellect, and she really challenged him in that regard. We were sitting there watching it, and in the very first scene, because she's introduced an hour into the movie, and it's because we were we were doing the outline, and we were wondering who is the second person that we should use as our as our star A and our star B profile. Yeah. And we we're like, oh, maybe it'll be Judy Dench, but it'll, it might be Ava Green. And she comes out in that first like two minutes that she's on screen. Kills it. Yeah, that that exchange they have on the plane is perfectly written and perfectly acted. Is it a, it's a train, isn't it? It's a plane. It's a plane. I thought it was a plane. Is it's it a plane? plane? Okay, yeah, I thought it was a train. Getting all three of these movies. Some kind of automobile. Yeah, yeah, there's a train, a train is a lot in the Spectre or Spectre. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. <laughs> so many names. <laughs> Uh, yeah, all right. So cool. That's uh, that's our thesis statements. If you guys have your own that you want to share, uh, let's let's do that also. But let's get into our fist pump moment. So this is that moment when you're watching the movie and you look around you because something happens. And that thing that happens is so sweet. It could be anything. It could be a headshot. It could be like a, a longing look between a father and his son. It could be the credits, the music at the end of the film. Anything. And something happens. You look around you're like, God, is anybody else feeling this right now? Are you guys seeing this? This is so awesome. Uh, that's a fist pump moment. So uh, that's what we're going to share right now is each of our fist pump moments in the film. Did you like my pitch? I did. Did you get into it? It was. I was. Like, I could feel the adrenaline pumping. Did while you I was feel reading. something? I felt something. <laughs> and a fist I, pump coming on. Stakes yeah, are right. real. Uh, let's get into our fist pump moments, guys. Dude, car flip for you, hundred percent. Hands down, hundred percent. Like she, he just realizes like. Mathis isn't my friend. Whatever. And then you see her get kidnapped, and then he's just in his Ashton Martin flying down yeah. the road. You know, and. I don't even. I think for me, it's it was just like I would kill her in that situation. <laughs> like <laughs> not intentionally, not intentionally, but like, not Bond. a roadkill. Yeah, it would, it would have just been like I would have come uh. around the corner, she'd be there, like oh shit, and then crash that way. Our chat wants us to know it's a train. I was right. Keep going. Oh, I also okay. So I've wanted an Aston Martin since <laughs> the Italian I saw job, I and it, then I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. <laughs> I've so. wanted an Aston Martin forever. Yeah. And this film just like solidified it too. Oh, absolutely! It's, I like almost cried when that car flipped. It's over. such a cool looking car. In this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I remember. Apparently, it, Daniel Craig uh, couldn't drive a stick shift until uh, he joined the he franchise. Had to learn. So yeah, so that's sad. what I learned on. So I, uh, I, uh, I remember watching Entourage around that time. And there's like an episode where they all like these like let's get Bond cars and like right. all buy Aston Martins. And it's just like that was like such a cool thing at the time. That's like one thing about this movie too. See, I was living in Seattle at the time working for Nordstrom selling suits, right? And like store one, it's the, it's the first Nordstrom store, so they're very very particular about. It. They want everything to be current. Yeah, they want it to be very sort of like New York fashion, and it's hard to do in Seattle because it's just not the city for that. But so constantly, yeah, everyone just has outfits for coffee. Yeah, exactly. Like North Face jackets and stuff. I mean, you're from the Northwest as well. Yeah, you know yeah, how it goes. Exactly. Yeah. But at that store, it was very much about that. So we would have the Nordstrom brothers click thumb down all the time. And so we all had to be dressed in a certain way and the suits we were selling, all the fashion we were promoting. And I really remember this movie coming out and like people coming in and really wanting like a Daniel Craig looking James Bond suit because Tom Ford designed the suits for this movie, for this film. It had been Brioni but prior to that, which was much more of like an old man yeah. sort of luxury suit brand. Any Tom Ford suit just yeah. like. Oh, whew. looks killer. It looks fantastic. So. 
I just remember like everything from well, except for the Sony Ericsson phone. That was the biggest. <laughs> Watching this, I was like, really? There was some technology in it where <laughs> yeah. like oh. a little, little dated. Like Sony went all in on this. You movie. might as well just get like a flip phone or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the, in the first scene, like the guy's got like that like Nokia and it's got the ellipsis, and you're like, okay, well, he's like some sort of like a parkour. Badass. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like a throwaway phone. Yeah, it's like a yeah. burner, and then like and then like Bond is like, I have this sweet Sony Ericsson phone, and I remember the iPhone. I think came out that year, like '06. I want to say it came out in '06 or '07. So I'm sure if this was two years later, it would have been yeah. all Apple products, and he would have had some iPhone-looking phone. And if it had been a year or two earlier, it would have been a razor. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. When you go back and watch The Matrix, the phones that you thought were so sweet, yeah. not sweet at all. Except not the phones cool. in The Matrix are still sweeter than his Tony Erickson. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. but it's one of those things where in time, like, if you look back to past Bond films and you have, like, car phones or something, like, that's still freaking cool. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, this just, was a cutting edge Sony Ericsson. Brand. Yeah, no, I know. Like, we were talking about, we were like, there's no way the graphics on the thing are actually that smooth. That's totally <laughs> no, rendered. No, it's all rendered. It's yeah. like rendered for the film. It's like, let's just take this Sony Ericsson. Like, I just love that. He's on a Sony Vile laptop later. Yeah, of yeah. course. Vials were on top of the world. Yeah, 06. It was a big deal. Apple yeah. hadn't, uh, the iPhone hadn't just decimated the entire world's, like, technology market yet. No. Um, uh, yeah, they destroyed three of those Ashton Martins in that scene. Just to let you know. $300,000, not a big deal. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Is that still like a top three car for you guys that you'd want to own? You think that Bond car? I don't know. There's so many sweet cars now. There's a lot of good cars. I'd probably take, I'd probably take John Wick's car over that car. John I Wick don't know that I would car. want to drive a car that nice just because I'd be so terrified. Yeah, I would go like five miles yeah. per hour on the highway. Yeah. <laughs> you're like really bad at parallel parking. You're just like ding the bumper I'm every time. I'm actually really good at parallel parking, but I would be terrified. I would yeah. be scared. I don't know why I assumed you weren't. Let's um, <laughs> let's uh, get into the next thing. So, uh, oh no, I didn't even share. Did we just share one fist pump? It was just mine. You yeah, did yours. that's how good it was. And we got into it so much because of the car. So fist pump worthy. Catherine Kelly, what's your fist pump moment? Um, for this Bond film and every Bond film, it is always the opening sequence. It's a really when they good have the song and the yeah. <sighs> I'm like, yeah, me. it's a Bond film. Yeah. <laughs> and I sing just like that, and it's awkward, but like, thankfully <laughs> I was is... by myself when I watched this one, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone just reminded me the iPhone came out in 08, 09. I think that actually is correct. Um, is it? Yeah, for some reason I was thinking it was earlier, but now that I now that I remember it, I think I, feel like uh, I remember my buddy sitting in class with it when I was in high school. Anyway, it, that really doesn't matter. But the whole um, idea that the movie came out and it was so hot for the next year or two that would make sense in '08. That I think I was on suits. So yeah, yeah, I think they're right. So the Ericsson actually was a little bit more of cutting edge. Oh, well, of point. course. I mean, they're not going to pick like an old crappy phone for a Bond movie. Yeah, right. You know. It had to be a Sony it just Ericsson. Looks crappy. <laughs> I wish that we had found a Sony Ericsson and I like brought it in and like taken a call on it during it the show. Probably cost more than a new iPhone. Yeah, you have to probably, find one. You have to find it like on eBay. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they sell it for like five dollars. Yeah, right. <laughs> About uh, the price of a Beanie Baby. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It's like degraded to the same point. Uh, all right, I'm gonna go with my fist bump moment. Is that scene where uh, that the building is crumbling in Venice and mm-hmm. he's gone after Vesper to kill her, but he is in love and she's drowning and she's stuck inside the thing. And he, like, reaches to her and, like, she's holding his hand through the... And, like, for some reason when I watched this the first time, I don't know, it didn't stand out in my memory. I remembered it happening, but it didn't, like, impact me the same way. Watching it this time, I was like, man, that really makes me feel something. That isn't... Like, just her look on her face and you know she's going to drown. she pushes herself away from him and And then she drowns. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She's a good drowning. Heartbreaking. It's a good drowning. Heartbreaking scene. And you watch the But she, like, let all the air out of her, too. Yeah, she's, like, trying to, like, breathe in the water and all that. Like, she's trying to happen right away. Just thinking about that, though, an entire building crumbling into the canals. Yeah. It's a really cool scene. Oh, yeah. super, super, super yeah. cool. Yeah. 
Because as the fight was going on before that happens, we were both sort of looking at each other like, is this a really unnecessary right. action scene? Does this scene? need to still be happening, this movie? It's kind of like one of those like last, like let's just throw one more thing in, but nope. then that, that makes it totally necessary. Yeah. It's like a really big yeah. moment. I mean, the so. trivia is basically all about set designing that part. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, that was my, that was my, uh, that's my personal fist pump moment. I dig it. Um, I want you guys to know that we are going to be doing the film Warrior on this show, and I constantly refer- reference the look between a father and a son, which is a direct reference to Warrior. Uh, and it's a good look. Yeah, it's an incredible look. It's a great look. It's a great look. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be like the drop. We have one for every show. This Captain Venus. This be this one. Yeah. Totally. All right. All right. So let's get into uh, breakdown star profile. So we 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 were considering using Dame Judi Dench as the second star, but it really has to be Ava Green. Yeah. You have Daniel Craig and Ava Green as the two stars here that we're going to talk about. So first, we'll get into Craig. Infamous is his first credit listed prior to this. Now, for those of you that don't remember it, it was an ensemble cast film from another angle about Truman Capote that came out the same, uh, no, the same year as Capote or like the next year. But I, all I remember is that it, it came out and I was sort of like, that's really weird. Year, yeah. Why is there another <clears throat> film about Capote? Another drama about Capote with really talented actors coming Always out. happens yeah. when they do that. Two scripts in production and yeah. one one of the companies doesn't flinch. Mm-hmm. And this one clearly is the one that lost. Um, I never saw it. I just remember it coming out. Munich, which I have seen, which is very good, though I don't really recall Daniel Craig standing out in that film for no. me. Um, and then you have Lair Cake, which I distinctly remember Lair Cake, but I never saw Lair Cake. I think it's I was great. going to see you it. You should see it's it. Very, it's, You'd like it. The first time I saw it, I, I, don't, I don't remember what it was, but I felt really let down by it. Yeah. And I was totally against watching it again for a couple of years. And then I watched it again. Someone talked me into it, and I loved it. I feel like it's just very different than a lot of action movies, yeah, too. Like, yeah, it was absolutely. not expected. and It's smart, and it's... Yeah, it's it, it almost feels like a Bond film, but right. not quite. Well, and I do recall there was like that stretch where Guy Ritchie mm-hmm. put like post. It feels like, a, it feels like a mix of those two because post Guy Ritchie being like a good director, when people started to be like, "Oh, he's just really gimmicky," and right. like he kind of was divided, you know, because early on when Snatch and Lockstock came out, everybody was like, "This guy's amazing." Right. And then I do remember like Revolver coming out, and you had Rock and Roll. People like Sherlock Holmes, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of that guy. I think he's really gimmicky, but I do remember this movie coming out and thinking this just feels like I'm watching a trailer for a Guy Ritchie movie. Right. So. It may have been influenced by it or maybe they were trying to sell it that way look guys warrior is not a drama it's the greatest <laughs> movie of all time uh we have a really special surprise for you guys when we do that movie so yeah. if you like that movie like if you like it as much as we do that's an episode you're gonna have to watch because no one, no one likes that movie as much as we do. <laughs> it's a, not it's even a the, weird not thing. even our guests that were like no. worked on the movie like it as <laughs> yeah, much as no. we do where does that rank like with boogie nights too <laughs> like warrior no joke like when we have the guys on here uh we're probably gonna have to do a thing where like we have to stop talking a lot well, because we're gonna do like we're gonna basically start talking about it and be like Warrior is my fourth, just sixth girl. favorite movie ever. Like it's in my top ten, no question. Total fangirl. Yeah, and I think it's for both of us, and okay. it's probably the movie yeah. I've seen the most ever. I've seen it like ninety times. It's, I've oh. definitely seen yeah. other movies a lot, like Gladiator. I've seen a lot. Yeah, but Warrior. I've seen uh, probably over fifty times. I mean, I've watched Warrior like four or five times in a week before. Yeah, me like, too. <laughs> I used to watch it every. All right. Anyway, that's <laughs> you another guys episode. So cool. It was a dark <laughs> time in our lives. Okay. <laughs> Hey, Andrew. What's up, sir? What are you... (laughs) (laughs) Want to watch some more of you, mate? (laughs) Uh, All right. So, yeah, Daniel Craig. And that's, I think, why people were so kind of shocked when he booked this, because he was sort of a... I don't want to call him a nobody, but... A lesser known actor. Yeah, he was small. But it's almost what you want, I think, is what we're realizing more and more out of your James Bond, is you want a, a badass British guy... Who's kind of like smoldering, as, mm-hmm. as they like to use the word. I I like it when it's it's someone who he has enough credits to his name where you know that he's going to deliver, but not enough where you associate him with another yeah, right. franchise. Because that's where I feel like I just get lost in the films when it's someone that I believe they are James Bond. They've never been anything else to me. Right. Yeah. And and that's kind of the way it works with casting 
the male with Bond and all the women that are in these movies. Like Olga Kurilenko mm. was probably one of the highest ones. They they've definitely had Bond girls that were known names. But like yeah, I mean Halle Berry's Halle a known Berry. name, but she's way past her prime when she's in Bond. Like that's years after Swordfish, years after like the movie, like Monsters Ball. It's like seven or eight years later, isn't it? What about Halle Berry? Yeah, okay. and uh, Die Another Day. Uh, no, it's O two Monsters Ball. Oh, is it? Because maybe the previous year she was oh, she was right. very very big when she did. Yeah, this. Yeah, the next. Fair, fair. Okay. Um, but uh, Ava Green, we can we can talk about here for a second. So Ava Green was actually basically a, a nobody. nobody. Yeah. So the Dreamers in 03 is that Bertolucci movie. That's it's like her the first movie ever. Yeah, and she was a she was a uh, theatrical actress. She did like a lot of theater. Mm-hmm. And Bertolucci saw her, and she does she does a lot of full frontal and like graphic sex scenes in that movie. And Bertolucci's other most famous film for that same sort of thing is Last Tango in Paris with Marlon Brando. And the actress mm-hmm. whose name I can't remember, Maria Schneider, I think is her name, uh, was very young and did very graphic scenes in that film. And her career, as a result, she became sort of typecast as this one actress, this type of actress. And so there was a lot of people that when she did Dreamers felt she shouldn't do it. Her, her family warned her. Uh, but she then did Arsene Lupin, which I haven't seen, and Kingdom of Heaven, which I have seen. Most of her scenes were cut out of that film, though. She actually was going to turn down this role. Even though she was just, like, blowing up, she was going to turn it down because she thought Bond girls were very sort of objectified as, like, not important. And usually they are. I think this is the first time where we have seen someone who's yeah not that because So she, she did turn down the role. And then what happened was after Kingdom of Heaven came out, uh, the director's cut was released. And the director, who we talked about, who we're about to talk about... Uh, Martin Campbell Campbell yeah. saw the director's cut in Kingdom of Heaven and was like I really want Ava Green to do this part so they asked her again and she she came in a week before production on her scene started uh, I know because she read the script and she was like this is a real character I can really play this character yeah. so I thought that was pretty cool that would be great to be at that point in your career where you can just turn down a James Bond right, like, well, yeah, I don't want to be a Bond girl <laughs> but she cool. really wasn't she was like just starting to blow up and I, I think that's really cool it says something about her so she's now in Penny Dreadful that's like mm-hmm. her she's claim to fame now in that. Um, and she's she's been in a bunch of other stuff but uh, anyway yeah she stuck out to me this time so we're uh we're going to do a little bit of a contest. Not a contest. That's not a contest. It's just like, we're, we're not going to recast. I'm going to win. We're not doing recast this week, guys, because James Bond has been recast every three years for the last 50. 40, yes. So there's whatever. no point in us like saying, if you made Casino Royale in 1980, who would you play? It's just it's just kind of a waste of people time. that were in that And movie. they're not going to yeah. remake it anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to each sound off with our three choices right now for women now who you could see as the next Bond girl that haven't yet played win. one. I'm going to win. We'll do the same thing later with Bond. Who it's should be the next Bond? But I'm going to win. Gonna win. Uh, but if you guys, we're going to use the same hashtag, hashtag Master Recaster. Uh, so whichever one of you guys thinks that our group of three is the best group of three, uh, hashtag Master Recaster at AMA Podcast, and let us know who you think wins. We're going to do it for the women, and then later on in the film, when we get to, in the show, when we get to... Uh, the Bond. The recast section. We'll do our three Bonds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I want to hear... Hers. She's like, like very... Yeah, we'll do one, one, and one. Like one, one, and one? Yeah, last to first. Well, here's the real question. I know for a fact, I know for a fact you of and I course. have one of the same. Of course we do. We have to, right? Yeah, Emily Blunt. Yeah. She's, she's definitely one of them. Oh, list okay. No. Oh, wow. No, I don't want to. I want to hear it. So who's your you can first fly person? can't you? God, yeah. I love Emily Blunt. Okay. Zoe Kravitz. Okay. Interesting okay. choice. Very interesting. Yeah. She's, very she's she's like hot up and coming. Yeah. Hot up and coming. Um I, I don't Exotic. see her in like the next film, but I see her in the franchise at some point. Okay. Um I think that she is a badass chick that could actually do a lot of her own stunts. She's grown um, up. Um as we've seen her in past movies. Uh my next one, Natalie Dormer. 
Who's that? She is uh, in Game of Thrones. She is. uh, What's her name? Um, I'm forgetting her name in Game of Thrones, but uh, she's also in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. she. She's oh, Ty- she her head. Tyrell. She's named. Uh, oh, she's also in Hunger Games. <laughs> yes, Tyrell. She's yes. yeah. She plays the Tyrell girl who marries. Uh, anyway, yeah. But Natalie Dormer definitely a choice, okay. and I think that she's just going to her career is blowing up right now. She's so. smoking hot. Exactly, and then um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but um, Alicia Vikander. <gasps> yes. Yeah, she, she is my her. ultimate girl crush right now. Me she's too. just like so freaking gorgeous, and like everything about her, just she she doesn't seem like she's acting. I don't know what it is, but from uh, Man from Uncle yeah. and uh, X Machinima, like all of those. Oh. Here's what happened with Alicia Vikander. Yeah. Andrew saw the trailer for Man from <laughs> Uncle, thought she was so seen hot in the trailer. The saw, I've seen the trailer several times. And recast a film based on never even hearing her voice, just <laughs> seeing, never seeing her act, never anything, just seeing her walk by in one of the scenes and be like, I love you. If she's not in a Bond movie eventually, Specifically, like, there's her this walking by, the worst. if you know what we mean. That's no, what Andrew was paying attention to. She was on my list for that reason, too. She was, she's on your list? Yeah, because I wanted, I was going to use Angelina Jolie because I thought that she's, because I had, I had this thing of like <laughs> present, future, and past. Yeah. And I feel like Angelina Jolie is one of the ones that missed the boat. Like, she would have been a great Bond Honestly, girl. Honestly, though, I feel like Alicia actually is better than Angelina Jolie because she's able to have this soft, mysterious side and she's also able to have this badass side where she can just, like, bring it. Right. So I'm talking... So this is... Yeah, so ten years ago, I think Angelina Jolie would have been a great Bond girl. And then Alicia Vikander was one of mine as well. And I have a third one, but I don't want to skip over your second. Because we're just jumping all over the place. place And somebody said, time to rip the door off a tank, come on. So I had to respond to that. Um, Welcome, Max. He said hello also. Hey. Uh, Hey, Brockman. So, my number one is also Emily Blunt, and my number two is Keira Knightley, because I love Keira Knightley. You love her, and I just can't. Body like a 12-year-old boy, but uh, (laughs) I do love Keira Knightley. Okay. You think she could pull it off? Of course she could pull it off. Where has she pulled this off in any how other times? Of the Caribbean? How many times no, has, like... really? That is a completely different How many character. times has Keira Knightley ever been a chance to just be sexy? She's beautiful. Everybody knows that. She's always playing, I mean, like... She's, dude, she's had that chance a lot. No, she always ends up playing, like, these really, like, intense, historically accurate characters, or, like, dramas, or, like, she's in, like, it, like the imitation game, or... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, how often, like, how many times has she just gotten a chance to, like, put on a smoking hot dinner gown and, like, walk up to James Bond? It's like, classic Bond Do girls I think don't... she could play it? Yes. Do I think I'd be excited about it? No. I'd be excited about it. I know you would. <laughs> I love Keira Knightley. I've loved Keira Knightley since I was in high school and the first Pirates movie came I out. I never, okay. Yeah, I've just never been into her. Yeah. But it doesn't mean she wouldn't be a good Bond girl. I, I went all a little bit older. because How many times did you watch Love Actually? A lot of times. Yeah. One movie. of my favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. Love Love Actually. She wears a wedding dress in that She's movie. She's gorgeous She's in that beautiful film. in it. And there's the scene where Andrew Lincoln is holding the yep. cards. To me, you were perfect. I would love you until you looked like this. Yeah. yeah. And did you just superimpose your face on that scene? I thought... No. What? Are you you Andrew Lincoln or Keira Knightley in that scene? Uh, I'm not sure, sir. (laughs) Some more porridge, please. So, mine, it's so funny that this is... Because Keira Knightley's totally your type of girl. Yeah? And Frida Pinto is totally my my type of girl. And I think she would be perfect. Okay. She's beautiful. Yeah. She's exotic. Frida she's, Pinto? Isn't that the character that Selma Hayek plays in that Frida film? Cal- with the unibrow? Yeah, you're thinking of... Oh, Frida Kahlo. <laughs> That's an artist. Right. That is not Frida Pinto. Got it. Got it. Okay, I'm She sorry. was in Slumdog Millionaire, right? Frida Pinto, yes. Yes. She's gorgeous. She is... St- 
just for his sake, he was joke. Except a, that was another joke on Ben's part. <laughs> Except for the sake of like you thinking that uh, dude, Sharon Ivy has a body like no, a twelve-year-old boy. No, she does not. Look Actually, I'm gonna take Andrew's side on this one. Boom, Frida Pinto. She's not like a stick. Look, she's, dude, her face has more body than <laughs> Karen Knightley's entire body. Frida Pinto weighs like seventeen pounds. No, Karen Knightley weighs seventeen. Frida pounds. Pinto has got the sex appeal. Boom. Well, and guys, she's coming from a woman. She's smart. And she's very okay. smart. Very, very good, guys. Although my top three is the best. So. Who's your, who's she your... does have Alicia Vikander in there, and you know. I do I have her. one more? You guys oh, already yeah. said your three? You did your I already three. said my three. No, no, I haven't said my I three. I got too excited. I said Keira Knightley, Emily Blunt. Oh. Oh, I thought... Oh, did not. And the Don't ageless and beautiful <laughs> Kate Beckinsale. Oh, okay. you thought I was going to say Diane I Lane? I going to say Diane Lane. I love <laughs> Diane Lane so much. I mean, I really, truly, honestly do think that you could have a plot twist in one of these films where Bond has to go for the older woman. And Diane Lane... like what he did with Monica Bellucci? Yeah, but it, but Diane Lane's so much better, and she's oh, she's is. ageless and beautiful. But Kate Beckinsale's actually like still could play a Bond girl, I think. Yeah, yeah she's good. I like Kate Beckinsale. Beautiful. Beckinsale a lot. Yeah. Yes. I one hundred percent thought you were going to say Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have been a surprise. My husband mistreats me, and uh, <laughs> they're going to kill me. Uh, All right, so let us know what you thought about that. Maybe tell us what your top three favorite women are that haven't been in a Bond movie that should be or could be or should have been. And who had the best list of three? Hashtag Master Recaster, Kate Beckinsale, Kira Knightley, and Emily Blunt. Vikander, Blunt, Pinto. Vikander, uh, Kravitz, and Dormer. All right, there you go, guys. And I would also give my left boob to be in a Bond film, so... But then they wouldn't watch you. I know. Yeah. You, heard <laughs> it here, you heard it here first, guys. You heard it here first. You I look like that. Karen Knightley. If you yeah. put her in. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's really good. That was very good. Uh, you know what? We're going to give Kathy Kelly the podium right now to just explain oh. the producers of the next Bond film. You're going to go directly to this camera here. What, what am I doing? You're selling yourself in 30 seconds why you should be in the next Bond film. We're going to clip this, wow. and this will be something you have where you are tape. in a Bond film, okay. and this will be a thing you show. Well, thankfully, Bond films don't have a lot of dialogue, so I'm just going to do this for 30 seconds. Booker, Johnny, she's gonna be high. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Kathy Cupcake. Kathy uh, all right, let's uh, let's get into production development. That was a great thirty seconds. Thank Kathy. you. That was good. It wasn't even thirty seconds, but you didn't it, need the full it, thirty it, seconds yeah. because it was just so good in the first like three. Yeah, eternal. It's going to be in your reel, I guarantee. Oh, it. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk production development a little bit. We have like more and more and more as we've done the show, just like moved away from ultimate action scene choreography production yeah. development. We talk a bit about it now. I feel like the show is more about us just being like, "What's the sweetest part of the movie? This is the sweet. Fuck yeah!" And then yeah. like that's the show. Like, let's have a really pretty girl on to do that same thing with us. And the audience is like, you guys are yeah, doing a great job. Yeah, come on. You don't want to devolve it to that. That's not what our show <laughs> is. That is not what our show is. No. We do a lot of work for a reason. It's no, just we, we know in... what the audience responds to. Yes. And we know what we find is the most interesting. And this is interesting to some people. Yeah, no, and it is interesting. You but know, we will but... spend time. We just mean the, the early episodes, I think we spent like 30 or 40 yeah, minutes no, on production. That was way too much. Uh, and let's let's talk about how this movie got made. So basically, Brosnan signed on for four movies. Mm-hmm. And by the time the fourth movie was done, and Die Another Day is a giant steaming pile of crap, I think most people... How do you really feel? I like the diamonds in his face. It, what's the one line where the guy's like, he's like... Uh, Life in a oh, yeah. ice palace has its wait. Is that your Bond voice, your Clive Owen voice, or your Dire Straits voice? It's my British character voice. <laughs> it's my British character voice, sir. Um, so <laughs> I don't even know what that was either. His impression of <laughs> your impression of him. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Look, I can do Tom Cruise and Schwarzenegger. Okay, that's all give I got, guys. Just give me a break. So um, yeah, Brosnan was signed on to do four and. You, I'm, I'm sure that you saw all of this about Quentin Tarantino wanting to direct yeah. the film noir version, black and white, 
with Brosnan only. Yeah. Which is hilarious, really. It would have been horrible. Yeah. Like, you talk about this a lot. I like Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Um, I like even the stuff he does later on, which you're not as big of a fan of. Yeah. Um, that would have been horrid. Yeah. Like, in the same sense of Tim Burton redoing Willy Wonka. Right. That's what would have happened mm-hmm. if Quentin Tarantino Super stylized. Yeah. All the, like, wink-wink stuff that you already get out of, like, Bond movies would have yeah. just been so wink-wink. Yeah, Tarantino so. movies feel like Tarantino movies. Mm-hmm. You don't need a Bond movie to feel no, like he, a Tarantino movie. I don't think movie. that he can take over a franchise. Like, you couldn't have him do a Mission Impossible or a Star Trek or a Star Wars or anything like that. What is a franchise Tarantino would, like, lend himself well to? I feel like there probably are franchises he could do, but it would be much more, like... Mm, It'd be like if... No, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so, man. I wonder if he could do... Nah. I wouldn't mind him doing some sort of superhero. So, like, the right kind of superhero yeah. franchise? Like, like if he did The Punisher... And or they, something they re- redid it or something like that. Or like that. Spider-Man. Yeah, weird. Uh, Bad. Um, yeah. Speaking of Spider-Man, this is actually kind of cool. So Eon yeah. Productions is the company that does the Bond films. And in 1999, they actually traded the rights to with MGM because MGM had the rights for Casino Royale. And because uh, it's the very first of the Bond novels. And they owned the rights MGM did to Spider-Man. So they traded Spider-Man for Casino Royale so they could make this movie. And yeah. I think they came out ahead. I don't think they did, actually. Well, not money-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the other way. <laughs> yes, quality-wise. Absolutely, quality-wise, by a mile. Yeah, because this movie made, like, 500-plus million. Right, but, but monetarily, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man 1 and 2 were the just franchise. huge. Yeah, yeah. just monster. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Bo- you know, Brosnan was, was inked for four. There was a fifth script in production. They were talking about him playing it. And he was just sort of like, I think I'm going to step down from this. Probably in the same way that Craig is doing yeah, now. I mean, they thought he was too old. He was 53. Because Roger Moore played Bond until he was 58. Right. There's a lot of criticism of that. Mm-hmm. So I think Brosnan decided to be done. There was about 200 names up for the new role of James so Bond. Crazy. They considered all kinds of people. Everybody from... Actually, Henry Cavill. He was the number yeah. one. But he, he was, was 22. Yeah. He was a little too young to do it. He could do it now. But, but Gerard Butler, you know... Yeah, Gerard Butler. Dugray Scott. Clooney. Hunt. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> But she's dead. Yeah. He's the worst. <laughs> the chimera virus. He's one of those guys that when you look at him, though, he's like, you can't be a, a good guy. No. You could not be a Bond. He has to be a bad guy. Yeah. He's like that dashing Gerard Depardieu. He'd be, he'd be a bad guy in a Bond movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, who are some of the other guys that were on there? You had, oh, you had... Uh, uh, Idris Elba. Idris Elba. Well, he's like currently now. Yeah. one of the guys. But oh, no, yeah. one of the other guys, uh, what's, what the hell? We were talking about yesterday. Star Trek. Bones. Oh. Carl Urban. Yeah, Carl yeah, Carl Urban yeah. was in, yeah, he was in contention Wait, for Bones. it. Bones? Isn't his name Bones in Star Trek? Know what they call him? Oh, no. Bonesy? He thought you meant the I thought you were talking about the show drama. Bones. I was like, what? Oh, the one guy? The guy from Buffy? <laughs> it's like, that guy David was David Boreanaz? Yeah. <laughs> David Boreanaz was in contention. Maybe he was, he was in Bond. Bond. Yeah. yeah, his career took a strange trip. He was on Roswell, and then... Uh, no, he wasn't on Roswell. He was Angel, right? Yeah, so he, he was, was Angel. Yeah, he was Angel. Yeah. Okay, enough about that. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, so let's move on. That's most that's been talked about in the last 10 years, was that yeah, right there? Right there, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, Craig was, like, introduced in 05. He, like, put on a tuxedo, got on the airplane, got in the press, like, introduced. I think it's sort of cool. Can you imagine being cast as James Bond? Dude, you would feel like a badass going everywhere in the world. You put on your Tom Ford tuxedo, and you, like, get off the airplane to the press. You, like, take off your sunglasses yeah. for a second. And then everyone's like, we hate you. You're not going to yeah. be a good Bond. You're blonde. Your yeah. ears are too big. He's like, God. <laughs> Get me out of here. They called him James Blonde. So clever. Yeah, James so Blonde. There was clever. like that like there was like the whole campaign, Daniel Craig is not James Bond. People were just against People it. Are, yeah, I mean, I mean that, would they have rather him dyed his hair? No. Yeah. Well it's the same thing that happened with Heath Ledger when he got cast as the Joker. Yeah. People, people lost their shit. Yeah, people they were not happy. Of it. No. Yeah. People just like to complain and complain. Yep. And then they see something like, Oh wow, it was really good. I saw the trailer for the preacher show that's coming out on AMC and I had the same reaction because 
that's like an, a legendary comic book. That's like one of the mm. all timers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like this show, I just saw the trailer and look, I, nerd. We don't read comic books. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Never mind. Um, big shout out to my man Max Brockman, Neil Hill's preacher. He's my only friend. Um, let's talk about who wrote the. Let's talk about who wrote the film. So you had Neil Purvis, Robert Wade, and Paul Haggis. Mm-hmm. So Purvis and Wade are guys who are just straight up Bond writers. Like they they've done every single Bond film back to like what did we say? Uh, World is not enough or something like that. Um, I think I think back to World is not enough. Yeah. So. They're a team. They have been called like one of the most successful British writing teams in the world. I mean, it's not that hard when you just write James Bond movies. Like they're going to get seen. People but are going to watch the movies. Yeah, but a good James Bond movie. You saw what happened with this movie and with with Spectre. Most of the movies that they wrote are terrible. Yeah, <laughs> they're I, not well, that's good. what I'm saying though is that like this movie, like a Bond movie, it is so cliche and it follows yeah. this very specific formula. But you have to do it well. Yeah, it's and true. it hasn't been done well that many times. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's only recently. how many car chases and whatever else that you can do. You can do right. it. Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, like what you're really doing is you're, you're writing formula, and if the movie makes a lot of money, then they're going to have you back to write another movie. It doesn't really matter on the quality. What they're going to do with this movie is it's going to just be this thing where they, they it's, it starts with like what you said. The first yep. one in the franchise is the best, and it's going to go up, 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 and it's going to crash. Yep. And then when they reboot it, it's going to go back to the basics like they do every single time. Every single time, so it's yeah. It's the only way. It's, they just created this cycle that never ends. And they'll always get seen. I mean, the next film yeah, is Bond course. 25. That'll be a big deal. You know, but they do they always make their money back? Uh, we'll, I mean, we'll show the graphic a little yeah. later for, for the... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd say so. Bond movies always do well. Like, they just... Or at least decently Like, well. this one and Skyfall were the two most successful of the four. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. we'll see what happens with Spectre, but yeah, the Quantum Assault did drop off quite a bit. Yeah. But uh, anyway, Paul Haggis is the interesting name here, and he was brought in mostly to rewrite that last scene, the one we talked about with the sinking building in Venice. Um, now, Haggis had sort of been a TV writer all through his entire career in the, in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, mm-hmm. uh, into the early 2000s. Then all of a sudden, he gets the opportunity to write and direct Crash because Million Dollar Baby had all this press, and he wrote that film, so that right. wins Best Picture. Then his film, Crash, wins Best Picture. Uh, and all of a sudden, Paul Haggis is like in the stratosphere. Right. So at the time that this was being written, in 0506, he was on top of the world. He had just written two Best Picture films back-to-back. So he was brought in as a script doctor, probably paid an obscene amount of money, yeah. uh, and then you know continued to do films. But most of the movies he's done now, since that, that boom, I think, what, In the Valley of Allah was him, right? Uh, he directed that. Thinks. So. I mean, did he? He just completely fell off. Basically, yeah. it feels like. Yeah. Oh, the next three days was that Russell Crowe movie. Kind of got tired of that way. He tries tries to make you feel. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was I was a fan of the next three days. I think that movie's good, but it's true. Like none of the none of the movies he's done since those two have been like. You know, but I still think his name is is valid and relevant. Oh, absolutely. Enough. You see, I mean, he's not going to have trouble finding any work or no. selling scripts. Yeah, and, and I mean, a Haggis movie could win Best Picture next year. I wouldn't absolutely. be surprised. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much the writing team behind this. Yeah, I mean, the only the only other thing to talk about is Martin Campbell, who is interesting. Like he started doing British TV a lot. Like that's where he got his start, and then mm-hmm. he came over to the states in '88 and he did uh, Criminal Law. I think is what it was called. Okay. Yeah, Criminal Law was his his breakout, and then in the '90s he kind of like hit his stride. He became like this big '90s action movie director. He did uh, The Legend of Zorro, or no, excuse me, The Mask of Zorro, Goldeneye, No Escape, and Vertical Limit. And Vertical Limit actually made a lot of money. That Everest movie. Vertical, oh, I remember. Yeah, it. yeah. yeah. Um, Wasn't like because like K two also right? Yeah, I mean that was we we go through these phases of like alien zombies, like uh, superheroes, disaster movies, and this was the kind of time of like the climbing disasters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then Everest just came out, and like that's. Was like a way better version of. of course. I actually don't know if either. When of those I watched two. Everest, I was like, "Oh, I feel like I've seen this movie before." Right, yeah, <laughs> like fifteen years ago in Absolutely. IMAX. Which one was Chris O'Donnell in? Was that's it, vertical. That was vertical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't K two. No. Okay. Um, but it's interesting because this guy is the same guy that directed Goldeneye, so he did both of the most recent 
reboots. Goldeneye is is fascinating to me because we we loved that movie growing up. I'm sure we probably all did. Every boy our age loved that movie because the video game, the video game, everything. It was Rosalind awesome. Was such a badass. For England, James. Yeah, yeah. Right? The clicking pen. <laughs> like every time so I do cool. it, she no. shakes her head. No, it's just not going to work. I just don't even know how to do another British accent now. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sean Bean's a great villain, Trevelyan. I mean, we just know... It's like, the funny thing is, like, I haven't seen James Bond in so long. That Goldeneye. was funny. It was, a good, it was a good one. Yeah. You guys have a good laugh at my expense? <laughs> you got a good laugh out of it, yeah. You had a good laugh at my expense, Governor. Um, so, uh... Uh, yeah, but like I remember that movie being so sweet, and then when I watched it again recently, I was like, "This it was is very bad, terrible, it was very bad." If I had to use one like sentence that would describe to anyone why that movie is sweet, it would be Pierce Brosnan's mane. Because really? like I think that his hair, like when I think about it, if you think about like a man that has a mane, mm-hmm. like his hair is not that long, but it's still the way that it's like quaffed. Yeah. Feels like it's a mane. See, for me, it was Sean Bean. He was so sweet. He was awesome. It was not God that gave me this face. Oh, it was yeah. you, James. That's a way better accent than mine. I'm embarrassed. I feel like we established that before the, the show. 30 seconds. No, we did yeah. before the show started. The show. Yeah. Um, I'll keep working on it for the next time we <laughs> do one of these films. We're going to during the show. It's going to go well. <laughs> it's a really good plan. Uh, so, anyway, just to finish up on Campbell. And then he went into the 2000s. He did The Legend of Zorro and Casino Royale. Uh, which were, you know, Christina Rao was great. Legend of Zorro was not... I love The Mask of Zorro, but Legend of Zorro was not a good movie. Yeah, you were, like, the biggest fan of The Legend of the Mask I of Zorro. I love The Mask of Zorro. Anthony Hopkins? Are you kidding me? This, one like, of those movies. This skyrocketed, skyrocketed Banderas and Zeta Jones' careers. Who is... Okay, what's the better movie? The Count of Monte Cristo or The Mask of Zorro? Oh, God, they're both so They're good. both so sweet, right? Probably The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, Count of Monte Cristo yeah, is great. Could we do movie. that on the show? Yeah, I think we could. I love that movie. One of the, okay, anyway, and then, he did, uh, <laughs> and then he did The Green Lantern, and now he's just not really doing anything. He's directed some TV episodes. Yeah, if, anybody, if you directed The Green Lantern, you're probably screwed. Yeah. That or The yeah. Green Hornet, you're probably screwed on both. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's credited for directing the first two installments of the newest Bond franchise, but uh, that's yeah, pretty much that. That's about it. So, yeah, the producers on this movie, it, it's sort of funny. The The Bond production is basically family. It's it's mm-hmm. like been passed down. The Broccoli family. Yeah, you have Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli are like the main producers listed on this. I know Barbara Broccoli. It's great. Um, you had David G. Wilson, who was Michael G. Wilson's father, I think, or is it the other way around? But either way... Nepotism. Nepotism, yeah, That's yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, because you had like all of these films being produced in the 70s and the 80s, mm-hmm. and then like Barbara worked as, a, as an assistant director, as a production assistant. She worked her way up, and then now she's been like the main credited producer on like the last four or five films. Right, and her dad, Albert Broccoli, was huge. Yeah. yeah, so that's like sort of it's just like a family business. I'm sure like most of these movies, if you ever look at the if you look at the producers list, there's usually like ten or eleven people listed. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. You have like regional producers, executive producers, but the real people who are behind it or actually putting it together, who are behind the development of the film, it's usually two to four people. And right. It's this and especially family. with franchises, those two to four people usually usually try to stick around. Yeah. So they've I mean they've obviously done a good job of keeping keeping the whole thing afloat. So. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting if you you were listening. I was listening to some of like the interviews for Spectre and like listening to Christoph Waltz talk about it, and just sort of like that when you get involved in a Bond film, it's like there's so much history now. Yeah, you have the precedent is it's a forty or fifty year old franchise, so there'll be good there'll be good movies and bad movies, and it's okay. It'll go up, it'll go down, but it's so entrenched in our culture now. Yeah, there'll always be a market for there's James Bond. There's also so much pressure. Yeah, if you're in a franchise like that. Why, when we walked out of Spectre, I asked you, I was like, do you think Bond's done? Like, do you think he's finally no, hitting the end no, of his no, rope? No, 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 Like, not in the sense that they're going to stop making them, but are they going to stop being good movies? We, you also wonder, because since the Bond films, like, we, we now have Mission Impossible, the Bourne Identity franchise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there another Secret Agent franchise that's been, like, that successful? I mean, there have been movies just scattered throughout 
but not really a, right, a man franchise. From Uncle, Kingsman, yeah. Yeah. things like that. But I mean, those two, it's like five installments and four with a fifth coming soon. Mm-hmm. They're sort of like the competitors now. Absolutely. When a big spy movie comes out. And, you know, Mission Impossible 5 was a way better movie than Spectre. Yeah. It was, and even like... And they did a lot of the same things that they do in all the other movies, but they did it right. Yeah, I mean, this, actually, MI5 had a similar scene to this, where he's on, he's on the motorcycle, and she stops in the middle of the road, and he peels off and crashes, right? Right. Of course you're bringing up... Of course, you had to talk about Tom somehow. Yeah, Yeah. well, of course. Look, I had to get him on the show somehow. (laughs) So this was interesting, because I'm going to jump ahead in a box office and critical reception, because we were talking about with your your, uh, thesis, and how you were saying this was like... People weren't really wanting to see this, you know? Like, they Mm -hmm. weren't looking too forward to it. And I was kind of in the same boat. Like, I remember when... Because I loved Brosnan. Right. You know, by the time they were about to replace him, it was like, yeah, Die Another Day sucked, but this is James Bond. This is the James Bond I knew, I grew up with, and he epitomizes what Bond is for me. I was not that excited to see this movie. I did see it in theaters, and I did like it, but I didn't love it. Because you know what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. And I like it much more now than I did then. But it's crazy when you look at the numbers for this movie... I mean, worldwide makes sense because Bond being as big as it is. Yeah. Like, everywhere. But this movie made a lot of money. I had no idea. It made, it made $600 million. It was very successful. I mean, well, because I think what happened was that you had the Timothy Dalton stretch, those few years after Roger Moore, mm-hmm. and the mid-80s, the Roger Moore movies were just, they just were, were bad. abysmal. People yeah. did not want to see those movies. Timothy Dalton, they tried to make it dark, but it didn't really work for the times. Nobody wanted that. So there was the break there for about six years between the last License to Kill and Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Goldeneye was such an impactful movie for us. I mean, as we've said, the game, our, just our whole generation, like that was the right movie, it was the right bond. Yeah. And it got to sort of ride the wave of that through Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough. By the time Die Another Day came out, as a fan, I was tired of it. I didn't really want to see it. I think I did see it in theaters, but there was still enough intrigue for me when Casino came out. Like, oh man, James Bond was really relevant for me as a kid, so right. there's a new James Bond, I should see this. Yeah. And that trailer... When you watch it, it, it feels different than yeah. what you've been seeing. You totally know, it, you know, it starts yeah. off black and white. It's, it's. It, we were really into reimaginings. Yeah, like, this is the beginning of 007. He just know? got his double O status. He just got his double O status. Yeah. And even he, not starting with the the opening sequence, like yeah, very soon. yeah, it's never that never happens. Yeah, to where they they have the gunshot and then it come in, comes in on him after the credits. Right. Um. It was just. Yeah, I, I, it looked like something that was new and exciting, yeah. but I, but I was, think I had a hard time letting go of what I remembered. Yeah, like it's, like we said, it's just one of those things where I don't think I liked it anywhere near as much then as I do now. Yeah, I didn't appreciate no. anywhere near as much as like how just how impactful the Bond movie this really was. Um, but yeah, clearly the world liked it because it made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, how many we, Aston Martins could you buy with that money? A lot of Aston Martins. Okay. How many like dialect coaches could I hire? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> no one that can fix that accent. <laughs> I'll take the red Aston Martin, please. <laughs> I've got $600 million. <laughs> Fix this. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So what's, what's the interaction like, though? Like, I was thinking, I think that James Bond goes into the hotel and he sees the beautiful woman who's married to the guy who On the takes horse off. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And he sees her and, like, it's just classic James Bond, right? Like, she's mistreated by her husband oh. and he can see that. He's going to take advantage of it. And he, just, and he meets her in the coolest way ever by getting yeah. this guy's car. Yeah. And p- pick, but then later up. in the movie when he's talking to Vesper for the first time and he's like, oh, you're not my type. And she's like, why? Because I'm smart. And he goes, no, because you're single. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just like with the interaction with the, with, with the woman at the hotel. It's just like, I can see your husband mistreats you. 
I would also like to mistreat you. Is that in this movie night. or is this a different? Is, is, that, different? Austin, is that Austin Powers? <laughs> okay. I'm going to stop now, guys. Uh, so uh, most of the movie was made like the money was made worldwide, which is interesting. It's different than most of the movies we do here, even though yeah. these films really are they're American movies. Uh, they're not like in a way like they're more relevant overseas than they are here. Right, and they're, it's not even like Britain. No, relevant. It's it's usually Asia. Asia worldwide, it's so a worldwide. Well, yeah, I know, but that's where eighty yeah. percent of your money is coming from. Wait, uh, it was number two in its opening weekend? Yeah. What it Behind uh, Happy Feet. Oh, my I God. I believe. Yeah, yeah Happy yeah. Feet opened at $41 million. <laughs> Can't mess with the Pixar movies. You, you cannot screw with animation. Wait, or that one's not Pixar. DreamWorks, right? DreamWorks, yeah. 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 I mean, that's like that's like classic though. I feel like every time we we have one of those, this open number two, it's always it's some crap always behind like that. Tuxedo versus Tuxedo. Yeah, yeah. It's serious. It's always <laughs> happy feet. It's very good. good. Very good. Give me a second joke. to get it. I missed that joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the audience is like, stop it! Just stop, stop doing it. Ruining it's not funny anymore. All right, so we got a graphic here of, of all the Bond movies adjusted for ticket inflation. <laughs> I will stay strong. Thank you, Max. Um, <laughs> and you look and. It's it's so tough because when you adjust that much for forty years, yeah, of constant, you, you have it with yourself. <laughs> I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> like put a smile. You're like the little engine that could. But I'm then gonna couldn't. keep trying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. Very funny. So Skyfall was massively successful. Yeah, and a lot of money. Do you think that's because of No Country for Old Men and who Javier Bardem became? Um, do you think it's because people thought that they could do better after Quantum of Solace? You know, I actually don't know. I didn't see Skyfall in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, I missed it. I watched it prepping for this. I thought that... I just... I don't know. I wasn't that interested. But, you know, I do have to say... Quantum of Solace came out... It came and went. Skyfall... Got I a still, lo- like, I'm having the hardest time remembering what that movie's about. I think Olga Karolinka gets covered in oil, if I recall. She is in it. Yeah. I, I don't think that's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> if I recall, that's all I remember. Um, no, but, like... Skyfall, like something like the Adele song. I think she made one an Oscar for the song. You Everybody, mean, Skyfall. Yeah, that's that the one. one. That's yeah, the one. No. I helped her. I helped her write that. Do you want me to start singing the Moby song from Born Again? I can <laughs> oh, do that. No. Back again. Strange uh, ways of back again. Um, no, so, no one. <laughs> so, uh, but I remember like like everybody was like, "This is really M's movie. It's Judy Dench's movie. People love Dame Judy Dench." Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. wish that you were a Dame, Kathy? Do you oh. wish that we called you Dame? Do Kathy you wish Kelly? you were no. a knight? Yeah, of course. Of course. Sir Ben Bateman. Yeah. Do you want to call me that? No. Okay. Um, I don't know, know if I'd want to be a dame. Like, shoot for a queen or something. Wow. Like, yeah, well, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like $100 bills better than 50s, too, okay? Like, uh, I I mean... You can't be a queen, though. And we can't be nice dames. Or dames. I mean, I could if I found out. born a... there. No, you can marry into it. Oh, to be queen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we so can't... So marry yeah. Keira Knightley and then become a dame? Wait, what? No. <laughs> You got it all figured out, man. That's perfect. <laughs> you just go ahead and tell people that story. Okay. Uh, yeah, but like something about it, I don't know. Like Skyfall was somehow relevant. People talked about it like it mattered in a way that yeah. Quantum really didn't. Um, but it is interesting after adjustment. I mean, Thunderball and Goldfinger are the two highest grossing. That's crazy to me. It's so funny too. The unadjusted gross is sixty three million. And you adjust it, and it's six hundred and twenty three million. Yeah, I mean, nineteen sixty four and yeah. nineteen sixty five. They came out in back to back years. Isn't that crazy? Ten years. Yeah, I mean those are those are two of the most classic Bond movies ever. Yeah, too. two of the, the height first of five, the franchise. Right? I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. I think like Doctor No, and then his Goldfinger second maybe. From Russia with Love in there too. Yeah, sixty four. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So that's cool. I mean, Die Another Day sure made a lot of money. I'm very interested to see how how Spectre does. How did Die Another Day make the most money of any of the Pierce Brosnan movies? I know. It's weird. It's and because it's because they were all good enough. Like, Tomorrow Never Dies was good enough. 
Goldeneye after adjustment made the least of all four? Uh, what the hell? I don't know, man. And then, of course, you have, yeah, The Living Daylights and License to Kill. The Dalton movies just didn't make any money. Um, no one cares about too many Dalton as Bond other than you. I like that Bond. <laughs> His hair is similar to Brosnan's, but not quite the same. Probably the second best James Bond hair. Who's the, and Brosnan's the best? Are you kidding? Of course he's the best. <laughs> All right. Uh, so critically, this movie killed it. Absolutely killed it. IMDb gave it an 8.0. Rotten Tomatoes from all critics, top critics, and audience respectively gave it 95, 96, and 89. Say so that answer. I was paying attention to something about mains. It's on your piece of paper. <laughs> you can look at it. Oh, yeah. yeah um, critical, sure. Yeah. Uh, so this movie did very, very well. Yes, like, extremely Critically well. received. Rotten Tomatoes. These are, these are massive scores, and I think they're the highest of any of the most recent... 10 Bond movies? Yeah, I mean, 100% it's the, like I said, most of these lists will put this as the best Bond movie ever, or like a top three. I mean, it's also interesting just when you think about perception of a film, right? We talked about uh, we were noticing that like Fast 7 has, or Furious 7 has like a gigantic score. Like it's in the high 80s, I think, or right. in the 90s. But that's because people went into it knowing exactly what, what to expect. Yeah. This cheesy big budget action movie with an ensemble cast and a bunch of one-liners is good because I'm expecting it. Yeah. Whereas it's like, if that movie had come out as maybe like the sequel to Fast and the Furious, like the actual sequel, it wouldn't have been good in the way that the real sequel wasn't good. Right. It's just that like now that's what we expect. So with the same reason that John Wick is a classic action movie already, whereas like in 1998 it would have been just yeah, the same that, as everything else. That one still shocks me because I didn't know what to expect going into it and I didn't think that anyone really was looking forward to it and I think that's why it scored so high. Right. But still, beyond me. So, uh, <clears throat> Dana Stevens from The Slate said that Martin Campbell, who also directed Pierce Brosnan's first outing, blah, 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 we already did that, has chosen to give us Bond, who's both metaphorically and literally stripped bare. Let me take this opportunity to thank him for both. And yes, like that's why I picked that review, is I think that that is the most perfect way to put how this movie was done. And that's part of what you said in your thesis statement yeah, about yeah. how they just stripped it down to the bare essentials. And, and, that's what his, you, and his iconic Speedo scene. She's also referencing. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> and also when he's naked getting his nuts hit with that fucking uh, rope. It's oh. weird how you just keep talking about Daniel Craig wearing less and less <laughs> clothing. <laughs> that's a creative torture scene, right? I don't, I don't know. I would have died. It's one of the most creative torture scenes probably ever. It's one of the worst things yeah. I've ever seen. Horrible. Like, I love the way he responds. He's just laughing. So good. Yeah. He's like, scream, no, no, a little to the right, to the right. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Very painful. Uh, what, what did Tom Long say And here? Tom Long from the Detroit News says, Casino Royale tries to have it both ways, moving toward the genuine while still grasping for the outlandish. The result is a film that's caught between caution and abandonment, and that's probably not a place where James Bond wants to be. Don't think that that's really true. Feel like... Yeah, and what was the outlandish? What was crazy in this movie? Um, I think that some of the stunts were a little bit, like, you know, falling off what's a two-story beam and just, like, shaking it off. Yeah, we didn't right. look into the parkour scene yet, which is, like, I remember watching it in theaters and thinking that was the coolest. Part. Yeah. Though, though, like, that parkour has become so much more mainstream since that. Watching it this time, I was a little less impressed sweet. by it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I w- in my memory, everything was so cool and, like... I was really looking forward to it. And it's still awesome. It's still, like, a really, really oh, good is. chase scene. Yeah. But it's not as innovative yeah. as it once was. It seems a little bit more like normal people. He's just a little bit more... <laughs> just how we do things yeah. now in 2015. Like, if you and I were... I would be doing those scenes, those stunts, yeah. and you would be like... Oh, it would be no problem. Yeah. That's how I get around. Yep. <laughs> Fully. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess before we get into, like, favorite line and rankings and all that stuff, I mean, there's, like, a lot of this movie we just haven't talked about. I feel like we just skipped over the whole movie. There's... 
Oh, parts of the movie? Well, I just, there's like, I'm thinking about some of the things that happened yeah. in the movie. Mm-hmm. I guess if we talk about favorite line, we'll probably reference some of those scenes, but I was just thinking like, we really didn't talk about the scene at the embassy at the beginning. We really didn't talk about... How he died. Yeah, we didn't have that, that, like, that scene. Well, that's fine, like, because with, with favorite line, I'm going to talk about how he dies. Okay. Me too. Wait, is it, do we have the same thing? I think we probably do. Oh, man. We both had Alicia Vikander. So it wouldn't be shocking to me. You guys, you guys are like two pieces. One in the pub. brain. I like how um, if I saw her in real life, I probably wouldn't even recognize her because I've never seen her. Because like, you just know what her backside <laughs> looks like in a dress. Basically. No, no, that is not. As I know what her face looks like in a dress. It's a very pretty face. Face in a dress. She's beautiful. All right. Go You're watch discombobulated. The, go watch the trailer. <laughs> I have. You've made me watch it several times. Uh, let's talk about our favorite lines, guys. If you're watching along, this is once again another opportunity for you guys to jump in and share with us what you think. Uh, what is your favorite line in the film? So, what do you guys think? You you guys want to jump in? First? I want to let you go first. And see Should we say it at the same time? On three. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, <laughs> if it's wrong, it's gonna be really weird. Yeah, it'll be fine. That'd be hilariously awkward. Are you guys okay. ready? One, two, three. Oh, three. I'm sorry. Wait, nope. Oh, nope. Well, I was going different to. Different one? <laughs> you were distracted. Oh, I think you have more of it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. That the last, last hand, hand nearly killed, killed me. me. Yeah, oh. okay. All right. You're dead on. Beautiful. God, great minds. What's you, your stupid really line? good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Andrew, Max says, poor Andrew it. always gets his line jacked. You do. because <laughs> I, I picked the best part. It's because we always bring a girl on. She sits next to you. She goes first and she, she just reads line. my paper. Yeah. He's still thinking about Vikander. I am. But Roxy has stolen more of your lines than Kathy Roxy has stolen. She stole like a whole show. So you have once. more to hold against. Her. Absolutely. So we're about Kathy's to, yeah way higher than Rox right now. Oh man. Um, the other part that uh, from that same uh, instance is when he goes. It's right when he gets defibrillated. Yeah. He, goes, he just comes up. He's like, you okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He's like you were just dead, and you yeah. just asked her if she's okay. I like. You're so badass. I like just the whole like. Okay, there's two. I really, really like when they're talking later at dinner and he says to her, why is it the people that can't take advice are the ones who insist on giving it? Right. Um, that's one of my favorite lines because it is like she's a strong woman and she's like very yeah. – she's very opinionated and she's not going to back down. And then I also really like when he's on the phone with M at after, after Vesper's already died. And like oh, there's yeah. just this great exchange where M is sort of like – you know, it turns out that she was working for such and such. Like sometimes we're so focused on the the villain, we stop at hand or whatever. Yeah, we yeah. stop. We don't pay attention to our friends. Yeah, we should have caught it, but we didn't. I'm sorry, James. And he's she's like, I can understand if you need a bit more time. And he's he's like, Why do I need more yeah. time? Job. The job's done. The bitch is dead. Uh, I just think, like, but you didn't realize that she was actually doing it because she loved you. Yeah. yeah, I just that whole sequence is so cool because it's one of those things where you you very rarely in these movies. You get an emotional bond. Yeah, he doesn't ever seem. I mean, this bond. He's human. Yeah. He's We see the the scene of him like washing the blood off after yeah. he killed people, and we see him make mistakes. We see him kill people in front of other people, mm-hmm. which is not something that a bond yeah. should do. And then you know we see him so blinded by love that he doesn't even see actually what was going and on. Thinks about it. And yeah, I, I love you see that you see the switch turn in that line. You see it. He just he dies. Inside. And that's the best part is because he says, "Why would any more time? The job's done. The bitch is dead." And the way he says it, it's it feels like he's a petty child. Right. Where you know there's something behind what he's saying that mm-hmm. but that's never well, what you never get that from Bond. This yeah. character grew so much in the film where at the very beginning he was very pretentious. He he made a lot of mistakes that he wasn't cautious. Right. Um and we saw that several times with him losing the money or, you know, killing someone in front of a camera. Right. Just um, executing a dude. And then I think that uh Vesper actually made him grow up a lot and made him yeah. you know, worried and care about another person 
and so he became, yeah, you know, more I mean, cautious. She, and, she saved his life. It's not often where you literally see that like sheer bargain. It's done. Yeah, you've lost. And, and he comes back to life. Yeah. Like I mean, he wanted to not be Bond anymore. Yeah. yeah and also, resigns. and you find out that she bargained essentially her life for his life uh, and yeah. saved him, which is awesome. I also really, really like when M says, well, I hope you learned your lesson. Just because, like, it's, like, such a harsh thing to it say is, in that moment. It is, but it's so relevant. Yeah, well, so Well, she's also kind of maternal in this situation where at the very beginning he was just being reckless with breaking into her house and... <laughs> yeah. A, about to reveal her name, and then you know, at the very end, she's like, "Well, you know, look what happened." Yeah, I do one more syllable, and I'll have you killed. God, why can't why couldn't they have just made more good James Bond movies? It's a real shame. Hey, they're gonna keep making. There's him. opportunity. Yeah, they're I gonna know. keep making. But him. he's such a good like. This is such a good Bond, and he he's is. such a good Bond. Yeah, can't wait for the next good Bond movie. Um, all right, well, I guess we should probably talk hero villain ranking, right? We've all shared our favorite line. Yeah, I, I don't know about the villain, but I think that this Bond has to rank on our list. Oh, Casino he's a definitely complete does. Badass. Casino Bond for sure does. So the only thing that's missing here, this is this is slightly not updated. Um, Last week's. Yes, exactly. Because you put number forty-eight, I believe you had. Um, Aaron Cross from The Bourne Legacy, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't have the up, updated file, so aside, it's a super low one. I think Bond's going to go a lot higher than that, yeah. I'm guessing. Um, so what do you got for Bond? I mean, the villain... What was that? Jason? Le Chief? Okay, Mads Mikkelsen is just terrifying. Yeah. Like, he is. I've interviewed him before, and, like, I was scared being in his presence, even though he's a really nice dude, right. but, like, he's just one of those people that, like... He can never be anything other than a villain. Yeah, yeah, he definitely has that look. Chris Cooper is kind of like one of those guys that looks like that guy. I feel like we should have like a perfect Hannibal Lecter too. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I feel like we should have like we should have we should have done like top five villains with scars or something like that. That would have been like a super entertaining list. It would have been Scar. Yeah, from The Lion (laughs) King. King. He's the number one (laughs) worst villain with a scar. All right, so oh my god, dude, I I'm gonna have to redo my list again soon because I feel like it's getting out of sorts. But yeah. I think I know exactly where you're going. I've got to put him ahead of Jason Bourne from Bourne Identity. You're putting him at number six behind Ripley? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm going to put him at seven and move everyone down. You're putting him ahead of Dutch? Of course I'm putting him ahead of Dutch. <laughs> I can't even speak English. <laughs> this captain is the... Did you always travel on the wrong side of the water? I knew you were going to try to get in somehow. It's my favorite way. line yeah, of the whole the movie. Best. Uh, Bond. It's been a long time, General. Uh... All right, pretty good. Yeah, I don't think the villains in this movie really make it for me. Which is funny, because you always say that you can't have a good action movie without a good I know, villain. I know, And the villains in this movie are sort of... I mean, they're secondary or tertiary characters. Yeah, they're kind of irrelevant. All right, so let's see here. Where do I put him? I think it's because you feel the weight of the villain. When a lot of times in those movies, like an MI4, you don't really feel like it's the villain doing it. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It was more, I feel like, the idea of terrorism. Like, he was just the one that was funding it. So yeah. he wasn't really, like, even though he, he put uh, Vesper in the middle of the road, like, those kind of things happened. We mm-hmm. didn't see him do it. So right. I think that he wasn't as much of a threat in the audience's eyes. Yeah, but the things that he did, right, made him good enough for me. Because him putting Vesper in the middle of the road, him not even saying one word when those dudes are about to cut off his girlfriend's arm. I can't believe that this was a PG-13 movie, Yeah, too. pretty yeah. intense. It was very intense. But, like, he's just a shit. He's a shit weasel. He doesn't do anything. Max called out your ranking. He said he's going to put him at number four. Max? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That was very close. Very um, close. I... I wish my internet worked so that I could read these things. <laughs> 
I'm going to go number 12. He's behind John McClane. He's ahead of Martin Riggs. God, we just shit all over with the weapon on this show. It's like the biggest apology I have to offer to our fans because I feel like the people who watch the show must be a fan base that really likes Lethal Weapon. Like, it would only make sense. And well, our, yeah, we like it too, but it's it's different. It's man. just that Gary Busey is the best changed. part of the movie. Yeah. Officer Murtaugh. Don't be foolish. Officer Murtaugh. Don't Look be foolish. Look at the hardware. Uh, so we're going to go into ranking our movie, like where we put it on the list of movies, and this has got to be pretty high for me. Yeah, Casino's you know very it's high. Very, it's very, very good. Um, yeah, let's mark, did you mark down the numbers? You got it? I, I wrote it. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, let's see. So I can't believe you have Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3 at number 28. It's the worst movie we've done on this show. It's so offensive that that's behind <laughs> Independence Day. It's not. Yes, it is. Who, who, the only person offended in the whole world by that is you. And... John Travolta. John Travolta. <laughs> wouldn't fucking care. Because you think that movie's fucking awesome. Uh, I think I'm going to go 11. I'm going to put it right in front of The Fugitive, but behind Mission Impossible 3. Wow. No. This movie's better than The Fugitive for you? No, it's better than Mission Impossible 3, too. Wow. But it's what? not as good as Air Force 1. No, that movie's got a sweet place in my heart. Well, I luckily, I have The Fugitive way higher than that. So, um, All right, fair enough. So, where did I put... Oh, yeah, I put the Fugitive super high. I had a looper. I got to put looper so high. We need to redo these lists. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's because every single week that we do a new movie that gets on the list, we just watched it. Looper's We're ahead of Mad Max. <laughs> he doesn't like Mad Max. No, I think Mad Max is great. I he just, doesn't watch it again. He doesn't yeah. think it's a good movie. I just saw it the one time. Um, I bought a red jumpsuit so I could be the guitar player for Halloween oh, and this didn't end up happening. But. That's like one of the best characters. He's like one of the best tertiary characters in the history of movies. The guy's so memorable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, I think I'm going to put Casino Royale at number eight, ahead of Looper, wow, behind cool. Die Hard. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's impressive. Three, Fugitive. Yeah, yeah, it's better than Minority Report, Mad Max, Predator. Ah, oh, it's so brutal. It's better than Predator. Yeah, it I is, guess it is a better it is. movie. Ah, oh, I hate it. All right, I want Predator to be like its own list. Apples and oranges. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, so instead of our recast this week, guys, um, we're gonna do we're gonna do Bonds. We're gonna recast because. So 25 is coming out, and Daniel Craig is most likely going to be... That'll probably be his last Bond movie, I believe. Uh, he's rumored to be in it, and I don't know if they're going to kill him in it or if he's going to be yeah. like the character in it, the main guy. Yeah. But 25 is coming out. Uh, Idris Elba's been in talks about it. So has Tom Hardy. Uh, so is uh, David Oyolo, right? Yeah. So. Oyolo. Say again? Oyolo? Oyolo? Oyolo. Colin Tavo? <laughs> David Oyolo? So same thing we did earlier in the show. Hashtag Mastercaster at AMA Podcast. We're going to each give our top three for who we think could be the next Bond. Okay. Um, who we think could be or who we want to be. Who we would like to have. Yeah, that's difference. fine. Okay, we'll go who, who we would want to be that could be. Okay. How about that? Okay. Who we would like to have as the next one. So I'm going to jump in. This is probably no surprise, and I almost didn't do it because of his physical size. Yeah, that's why I didn't do it. But Fassbender. Yeah. Michael Fassbender is just such a badass. He's mm-hmm. so, like, sharp, mm-hmm. and, like, he's he's like can do the physical stuff. Like, Magneto, he was really good as. But he is a small guy, so it might really not work all that well. But uh, I do really like the idea. Yeah, of course. I mean, he was he was on my list as well. But then, f- for the same reasons that you just said, I took him off. Right. Um, I think he would like. I just I'm imagining him saying Bond, James Bond, and I think he would just kill it. He would. Yeah, he would yeah. be very good. Uh, so I am gonna go with my third place. Actually, you know what, Kathy, you go first. You go first, please. Well. My three in general is just Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy, and Tom Hardy. I love it. That's awesome. who I want. Yeah. And, like, it has to be. Yeah, Tom Hardy is, is definitely on my list. He is the... He's who I want more than anyone. That's, I don't, like, 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he'll actually get it because I feel like there's something about him and he's becoming too big. Right. It, it does go back to that thing of, you know, he has a name, so is he really going to be James Bond or is he Tom Hardy playing James Bond? Right, which is good for his career because he hasn't niched himself as any one specific character. Like, Mad Max is not like, oh, well, he's Mad Max now. You know what I mean? Yeah, Hardy's like on that, he's on that edge of exploding. Yeah. Three years from now, Tom Hardy probably won't be able to do this anymore because he'll be too massive. Yeah. But he's like right now. I mean, now, he's massive right now. Yeah, no, he's like huge right now, but it's like right now, if they were to say Tom Hardy yeah. is going to be James Bond, like Tom Hardy doesn't have that character that is extremely right. iconic as a character. Dude, that the movie Revenant is big. The yeah. Revenant looks so insane. Looks insane. Yeah. And um, another one that I, if Tom Hardy is not available, uh, <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. I like Benedict. I also had him as on my Bond? list. Bond? I feel like I have a hard imagine him as Bond. I, can I think you need to watch Sherlock or the original. The original? You watch it? Yeah. yeah. The show, you, you don't think you could do it? No. I mean, I, like, I'm not saying he wouldn't be able. He's an amazing right. actor. I'm just sort of he doesn't like he doesn't look charming to me. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't no. like, look like a James Bond. He look, feels more like a James Bond villain. Well, sometimes people have opinions that are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> some things that happen sometimes. Can you say that in a British accent, Kathy? <laughs> Will you try? It? Sometimes people have some opinions. No. Sometimes people have opinions that are wrong. It's not gonna work. It's just not gonna <laughs> just happen. Let it go. Your opinion's go. wrong. <laughs> You're making it weird. Ben Bateman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, so my so other than Hardy, I had Hemsworth. Which one? Chris. Oh. Yes. Chris Hemsworth. Why don't you go ahead and speak your words, <laughs> since you have this stupid look on your face? Okay, that's fine. No, I'm asking your opinion. I want to know what, why. Thor. You have, you have this look on well, your face. Well, the reason that I had that look on my face is because I went with the other person. You went from, with Liam? No, no. I, I, went, I went with Tom Hiddleston, who plays Loki in Thor. So I went the really? other side of it. Yeah. Okay, I'd probably make the same face. Yeah, exactly. Me, but yeah. just because you said it, and I was like, I had thought Hemsworth, and yeah. that's why Hiddleston came to mind when you said it. And I was like, interesting. I really didn't think of Chris Hemsworth. He might Hemsworth. be a little too pretty. Chris I Hemsworth? feel like he yeah. is too pretty. He, yeah. But my and he's number... almost like too big of a dude. Well, see, is... that's the thing is with Tom Hardy and Hemsworth, I feel like they both need to cut down weight. Whereas yeah. like Craig had to put on 20 pounds. Right. I think they could take off 20 pounds and they'd look better. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. Tom Hardy's probably my favorite still. But the person I think should do it more than anyone else. Yeah. Christian Bale. Yeah, it's awesome. That's really good. He's so dark. He's the um, age. He's got the accent. He, he. We all know he can clean up. We all know he can be charming yeah. and a badass. We've seen um, American Psycho. Charming on screen, not necessarily. Yeah, behind, not yeah. behind the scenes. He's not known for that. He almost like. I, he almost like I would have a hard time watching him be charming and not thinking of him just as American Psycho. Like wanting to murder somebody. I think he, yeah, exactly. Right. He's like because he's so dark and sinister so much of the time, mm-hmm. and he's so moody and brooding. I sort of imagined him he could in like be a, a villain. Yeah, he almost would be better yeah. as a villain. Like him trying to, but then again, Bond is a spy. He's a stone cold killer. He's a hitman. He's as, an assassin. As Daniel Craig says, when he yeah. was so so, one of the coolest things we didn't mention this is that when he was on the set for Munich, he was talking to a lot of like Secret Service. Oh and, right, yeah, uh, and and like SAS, and he was like. You meet these guys and you look in their eyes, and they have—they look like killers. Like you can tell, you can see in their eyes that they've killed people. And they walk into a room, and the first thing they're doing is they're checking for exits. Right. And that's like he's like, that's what I wanted to bring to this bond, which he did. Um, and you have to sort of think like, who do you trust? Is like, and yeah, Bale is—he has that evil streak. I feel like he has the same type of feel that Craig has that Brosnan didn't. Yeah. Brosnan was never intimidating. He was never dangerous. Whereas like Craig, you're like. What is this guy going to do? Brosnan's just suave. Yeah, he was yeah. just the smoothest dude in the 90s. And he looked very good in a tuxedo. He looked very good. Yeah. Um, all right, my my number three is handwriting that I can't read. Oh, my number three is Clive Owen. 
It's my accent. That's the accent that I've been doing that all day. Is the look, what, just, look at what they make you give. Stop. You guys don't love Clive Owen. We don't like your accent on Clive Owen. And you guys don't like Kara Knightley. You just you uh, don't agree I, with me on anything. You, you think Clive Owen like could her. do it? You think Clive Owen could do it? You totally. should have Clive Owen yeah. and yeah. Kara Knightley in in the film together. <laughs> yeah, in the film together. No one. Will. Um, <laughs> Our, I can't believe you've done that accent through this whole show. I've incredible. stuck with it the whole time. Yeah, that's definitely a commitment. Um, what was that? What was the like? I feel like there was like something that we used that accent for. I don't remember what it was. You use that accent this for whole anyone show. British. Yeah, <laughs> for the last hour and a half, you use it. Can we just picture for a second though? Tom Hardy and Alicia Vikander. Uh, are we talking? I remember what it was now. <laughs> it was the voice that I did with that one improv scene we did. That would be the greatest thing I've ever. That seen would in my be life. like I would pay for a ticket before it's even shot. Years in advance. Tom yeah. Hardy and Alicia Vikander. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. Fair. I mean, I I don't. I love Tom Hardy. Like, of and course. you love Alicia Vikander. You love Alicia Vikander. <laughs> and Zoe Kravitz can be the girl like right before the one that dies. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Sure. Guys. What were you gonna say? That improv scene, I just remember what it was, where the voice came from. Where the girl's dancing, and I was the British Secret Service guy, and I was like, I love the way you dance for me. That's just your British accent, though. <laughs> no. It doesn't matter. All right, guys, so we do a thing on this show. Ben, you want to tell them about it? Yeah, we do this thing. It's called Cage versus Cruise. Sometimes no. we have a little bit of extra time. <laughs> what category is this damn movie? <laughs> we choose three categories. There's totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Basically, totally ridiculous is like it falls off a cliff of absurdity. It's just it's just a joke. It's awesome, but it's a joke. That's like Face Off or Con Air that way. Mm-hmm. You have totally legitimate, which are movies like Terminator 2 or The Fugitive, where they're just very legit. There's really not much about it that's funny. It's just kind of awesome the whole way through. And then you have ridiculously legitimate, which are movies that are sort of like this hybrid category. Really compelling. Generally speaking, have at least one great performance. They, they're engaging the whole way through, but there's some unintentional comedy because they're kind of silly action movies. Right. A lot of the movies we do on the show end up that way, and we almost look for those movies intentionally. That's Some like, of our favorites. The yeah. Rock, Predator. Yeah, The Rock, Predator, like uh, Speed, Point Break. Mm-hmm. So uh, which of the three categories do you guys think this movie fits into? Totally legit. Yeah, I think there's no question. That's yeah. Yeah, it's, well. it's it's not yeah debatable. It's like not there's nothing. about That's like it the whole silly. point of what this movie was supposed to be for the franchise. It yeah. was supposed to be completely grounded in reality. And it's nice to know though that like even though these movies take themselves very seriously and they try to be that way, like Spectre would have been ridiculously legitimate. Yes, absolutely. Because Spectre even was kind Skyfall of, was kind of like that, kind of absurd. Yeah. And like they try to be so it's like you know it's it's good to know that every movie that comes out is trying to be is trying to be legit. It's just that, and sometimes the ones in retrospect, like those movies from the 80s and 90s, it's easy to, sort of because they've aged. Right, you just put them in that yeah. category. But we've done enough of these movies on the show that sometimes you can just pull it out. Yeah. Wrap it out of a hat. Um, all right, well, that is going to do it for this episode and right. for this movie. But guys, we are doing something new on this show. <gasps> this is a thing we're going to be introducing what? for the very first time. Ding, ding, ding. And this is a thing called The Pitch. So the idea is that you guys watch the show and... Every week we do a movie. We usually choose the movie two or three days before we decide to do it on the show. We do all our prep and we watch it. But it doesn't give you as an audience very much time to watch the movie. So if you've seen it and you like it and you watch the show, get into it. But now we are going to start pitching you guys the movie the week beforehand so you know exactly what you're going to watch next week. That's correct. It's very good, right? Smart. You're getting real smart, kid. Uh, This is kind of a unique one. Today is Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day oh, to everybody. We're we really going to try this correlation. <laughs> and Thanksgiving is coming up, and neither of those things entirely relate to what we're doing, but they're kind of related, at least in tone. So uh, we are doing a film from 1999 
called The Patriot with Mel Gibson next week. I love this movie. I've never seen The Patriot. I know, and that's why I'm even more excited to talk about it. Ben has never seen this movie. I've been trying to get him to watch it over and over and over. And thank God for Veterans Day so that we could make this huge correlation to, to watch this movie. But it's so sweet. The elevator pitch. Give us the 30 second pitch. Why do we need to watch The Patriot? Okay, so I'm I'm a big one on revenge stories. Yeah, I love revenge stories, and I also love classic war epics. Yeah, so this movie is it's got the same feel as movies from the '90s, where you can't it's going to be ridiculously legitimate yeah. at most. Okay, you know what I'm saying? At best, at yeah, best. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, first Mel Gibson, second Mel Gibson movie we've ever done on the show. What was the first one? Lethal Weapon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lethal Weapon. So, uh, are you kidding me? Like tomahawk and knife fighting from a dude that was trained by Indians in like forest battles. Heath Ledger's in it for a while. Oh yeah. Uh, Chris Cooper's in it. Tom Wilkinson's in it. People wanted to give this movie some sort of legitimacy because this he had movie... directed Braveheart four years prior, but it's just like a straight '90s no. trash action movie. This movie is not trash. It okay. is so sweet. <laughs> I've never seen and, it. Yeah, you haven't seen it. And, and oh, you shut yeah. your mouth. And like the way that what happens with like his sons dying in the beginning and his way to like get back yeah to avenge them and the villain is great like he's that I, I wish I could remember his name because he's kind of that faceless bad guy that he's perfect like he's the perfect bad guy um yeah, it's perfect, man. You're gonna love the movie. It, it fits our show to a T. It's incredibly entertaining. Gibson is he, he has like a few psycho screams in it. Yeah, where he goes like full on crazy, yeah, like yeah. MacGruber screams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah the best. Um, I guess we have our schedule for the next two. We could also pitch. We could pitch both, right? Like, we can at least we won't pitch the other one. We'll spend like the week after pitching it, but we'll at least yeah. give the heads up. So uh, yeah, we will be doing the Patreon next week and the week following. I know this breaks the rules a little bit, guys, but it's such a good movie. And it's our show. We're doing Rocky IV. <laughs> Gotta do Rocky Drago. IV. Yeah. You will lose. Yeah. If he dies, he dies. It's gonna be so good. I can't wait. Oh, I'm more he, accents. I'm, I'm surprised yeah. he didn't go. <laughs> if he dies, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a great episode. So, uh, yeah, guys, if you want to check that out, uh, please tune in the next two weeks. Next yeah. week is The Patriot. Watch it. Get in on it with us. We're also gonna do a live watch along very soon on some movie. I'm not sure which one. We might try to do it next week for Rocky Four for you guys to watch along with us yeah. for the following week. We'll, but. like, definitely, but if you want to know about that stuff and, like, where to find it, be sure to follow the Twitter, uh, at AMA Podcast. We share everything on there and if you guys want to find any of us personally you can find me at ben bateman media on twitter and instagram you can find me at andrew guy on instagram you no can... twitter I don't have <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on twitter at katherine kelly and on instagram at kathy kelly she did the laugh again she it was did. the same laugh God, i'm killing it yeah you know it's just because she wants to get off the show she should go eat her chicken <laughs> Two shows. In a row. <laughs> um all right sweet thanks guys yeah. that was amazing we love all of you we will see you next week we'll see you next week we'll see you next week <laughs> From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.